welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Good morning, everybody. Thank you very much for joining rejoining me again this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Big Fearless with Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and potential millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by another phenomenal guest. My guest today is one of my mentor clients, but before I plug her bio and formally introduce her, I want to, as I always do, thank my corporate sponsors for leaving in myself the content that we deliver each week here on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Sponsorship thank yous go out to Aha That Forever Hold Honda. And as well, I want to thank the loyal listeners who all follow me over on CC Radio Network, where of course following the live show, you can find the podcast link also on my host page, Living with Lisa McDonald. So who's my guest today? Well, my guest is a spitfire by the name of Joy Ross. Joy is a mother, aspiring author, entrepreneur, visual artist, educator, healer, and visionary. Impressed at an early age by her father's differences and determination, Joy is currently writing the story of Mike Terrell's remarkable life and how he triumphed over the insurmountable devastation of losing his left arm and his eyesight in a dynamite explosion, yet went on to live a life of mastery. A touchstone for many, Mike aimed to consistently exceed his personal best of sport and in all areas of life led him to live fearlessly and without limits. In sport, quote, in sport as in life in general, the pursuit of excellence needs to be a constant goal. As I continue to manifest this philosophy, I will also strive to remain available as a resource, both for the community, for individuals in order that dreams of others can be realized as well. Quote, of course, offered by Mike Terrell. With her book, Indelible Vision, Joy is committed to bringing Michael Terrell's story to life to inspire hope, courage, perseverance, and beauty in the face of tragedy. Hey, Joy, how are you? I just finished plugging your dad's bio. I let it be known that you're my guest of today. We have a mentoring partnership. We have had for over a year now, and we met a few years ago when I gave a talk at Golf and Country Club, and you came up to me very kindly, and you said you wanted to talk to me, and you very graciously bought my books, and that birthed a bit of a relationship between you and I. And here we are now talking on the airwaves about you in the process of birthing your own book, based on your dad's legacy. So let's just jump right into it. Um, Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. And so, of course, having just shared your bio here and the the catalyst behind you joining us on Radio Joy, let's talk a little bit about the inception of your journey. What are some of the earliest recollections that you have of your dad that really imprinted at a very young age what kind of a man he was, what his character was, and, of course, that being long before his his tragedy. Well, in fact, the tragedy happened before I was born. So um, I grew up not really not knowing that that there, there was a, a, a challenge, a problem. It was regular, everyday life for us. We dealt normal. with the challenges. Yeah, of my dad's uh, handicap and his disability and uh, the things that the challenges that he faces, he faced just in everyday activities, such as, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to uh, tie your shoes uh, with Mm -hmm. one hand and no vision. Um, Simple tasks such as even... Um, brushing his teeth, for example, we have lots of comical stories of things that 
you know, happen as a result of circumstances that just uh, are quite humorous. So I remember one time when I was a kid that um, my dad came out of the bathroom and he really wasn't too too happy. He had ended up uh, brushing his teeth, but not with toothpaste, unfortunately, but with uh, oh. A535. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, get your sense of humor. (laughs) Well, we definitely used humor to help us get get through the challenges that we faced every day with my dad and um, as a family, too, you know, and just Mm -hmm. just the way that we had to be in the world in order to overcome obstacles. And, you know, my dad was a great, a great example of how to do that and and we learned we learned well from from him he was my hero and an excellent teacher and my mom too she she really contributed to the dynamics of everything Mm -hmm. uh, working out and and um my dad really had a, a very very successful existence and he he faced his challenges with with dignity and mm-hmm. and humor <laughs> and humor yeah of course humor you can't leave that one out that gets us through mm-hmm. everything does it not no definitely definitely not so if, if I could just give you a little bit of the backdrop of yes. my dad's uh, accident and how and when that happened so my dad was originally from Dublin. Mm-hmm. He was born and raised there in Dublin, Ireland. And in 1957, he came to Canada and he would have been at that time 21. Mm-hmm. And he worked in a mine in Northern Ontario. And at 23 in August of 1960, he went into work as uh, any regular day, you know, down the mine shaft, he was working at a copper mine just outside of Thunder Bay. And um, while he was there working, him and his partner were drilling holes and he was packing the dynamite in the holes. And uh, 22 sticks of dynamite went off prematurely oh God. and unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And so Consequently, what happened was there was a lot of uh, rock that was embedded into my dad's body and mostly in his leg, in uh, in his face. And mm-hmm. um, at that time, his hand, left hand, was very badly damaged. Uh, and his partner was not in the exact same location as him, but he was quite vocal about everything that had happened. So my dad decided that he must be in worse shape than me, so I'll go down to get help. So he mm-hmm. traveled a quarter of a mile through the mine shaft wow. to, uh, yeah, to, to, to uh, get to a place where, where he could get some help. Well, there were a couple of guys who were starting their afternoon shift and they came upon him in a ditch. He was still conscious. However, uh, 
he was really at that point just clinging to life. He had already lost a lot of blood and uh, he did not know at the time that he had completely lost his vision instantly. His optic nerves Mm -hmm. were severed during the explosion. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he was then taken to hospital and where he started a very long road to recovery. So at that time, my parents were recently engaged. They had gotten engaged just a few months before that. Mm-hmm. So um, I do have a, a quote that my dad said after after he was in, in the hospital and then informed that that he was never going to see again Mm -hmm. and his leg was temporarily paralyzed so that that was okay because eventually he regained all his mobility in his legs and that was Mm -hmm. wonderful Mm -hmm. so he talked about pardon Lisa you said that you had a quote Yes, I do. He talked about how he responded to the doctor after the doctor told him that he was never going to see again. And Mm -hmm. he said, I was only 23 and I figured that life had been pretty good so far. I Mm -hmm. felt that if I took this prognosis too seriously, that I might actually cause my own death. So I decided that I was not going to let it rattle me and Mm -hmm. that I was going to move forward and make the best of the situation. Well, let me tell you why I love that joy. I mean, that, that speaks volumes to the character and the integrity of your dad and him being truly a class act so much so that not just because by blood related, you know, you are enamored by your dad because we, we as, as children, not everybody has a great relationship with their parents. Not everybody instinctively feels uh, a kinship to their parents. Oftentimes we choose our family based on other relationships or other reasons. But that quote that you just read right there says everything. I mean, we're going to go on and talk in more deeper length and and more detail about your dad and more testimonials similar to that. But that says everything because most people in that situation, it would be, it's like people who get a diagnosis of cancer. They automatically presume, okay, this is it. I'm dying. This, you know, and then that shuts down the mindset to go, no, you know, there is an opportunity here to embrace the lesson. There's an opportunity here to do something with this. This happened for a reason. What can I do to not only catapult myself on the trajectory of not only in your dad's case, healing and recovery, but doing something masterful, doing something, uh, you know, doing something with conviction, doing something all in, which a lot of people who have all their faculties and are completely able-bodied still, unfortunately, miss the, the gift of what it is to have this life and to do something paramount with it and to make it count every single day. 
oftentimes the people who I interview who I'm most captivated by are the people who have had the most heinous circumstances happen to them, the, the most debilitating type of emotional, spiritual, physical, sexual, whatever experience. And yet they're the ones who go deep within, they find their inner strength and they persevere and they're absolutely fearless and relentless. So this is exactly why you're on the show today outside of me just being a little bit biased because I think you're a phenomenal human being, but because the story of your dad really would resonate with the listeners. People love this kind of stuff. People love to know the spirit, the soul, the conviction. So I, I just want to say I fully understand more so than ever, Joy, why you are who you are. I mean, what a stellar role model and example to have been brought up by. Yes, thanks, Lisa. It's a real privilege to be here and to share the story of my dad and to to understand how he has affected my life and how mm-hmm. how that is something that can be shared with lots of people. And my dad was very much larger than life. He was a real mm-hmm. touchstone for people. And there really wasn't, I don't think, anybody who met him who wasn't touched in some way by his his ability to to be present and to really mm-hmm. meet each person as an individual where where he could have been sitting doing nothing mm-hmm. and, and feeling sorry for himself and, and seeing himself as a victim for himself. exactly right but he flipped that so, on its head and he did the complete opposite absolutely and immediately Yes, I know that as I have been writing this book and doing interviews and spending a lot of time talking to my mom, she had told me, and this is not the first time that I have heard this, that my father never allowed himself to be the victim. Not for a moment. From the get-go after the accident, his intention was to move forward Mm -hmm. and create a life of purpose, of triumph, of success, of light, of happiness, and 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 to really grab life and to dig into it and get all mm-hmm. the deliciousness and juiciness that's available to us from life, regardless of what our obstacles are, regardless of what our challenges are, regardless of what we're facing. Absolutely. And a real example of that. So, well, let's talk about some of the things that your dad is. I mean, he was a he was a bit of a rock star in his community. I mean, everybody embraced yeah. him. He was constantly being interviewed and photographed and in the newspaper and showcased here and showcased there and sought out for this and sought out for that. Let's talk about some of those things that your dad did, like in terms of creating his own milestones as a result of his reinvention process and going, okay, this is what I've inherited and this is what I'm choosing to do with it in spite of the circumstances. This is not going to be a doom and gloom. This is not going to be roll up in the fetal position in bed. I've got work to do. I've got people to inspire. And it might not have even been a cognizant, conscious decision, but through the way he chose to embrace those circumstances, he certainly accomplished that. And he did it right through until the end. So what, what was your dad endeavoring to do when we talk about sport? What was he doing? Well, sport was a big part of his enjoyment for Mm -hmm. life 
and he in nine in the early eighties he started to run, and at this time he would have been in his fifties, and it was mm-hmm. the first time in his life that he ever trained to run, and he began to began to run for enjoyment, and I can only imagine the feeling of freedom that he would have experienced when he was running. Now, for those people, those listeners who don't know, uh, when a a blind person or a a visually impaired person uh, runs, they need a guide runner. And Mm -hmm. the guide runner actually is there basically for the blind person to make sure that they're going the right direction and that they are aware of the terrain and all these things. But there really is a need for uh, guide runners. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think with this story, we also want to raise that awareness. There are a lot of people who love running and they want to share the gift of running and what it gives them with mm-hmm. someone who is visually impaired. And and it's very interesting, the relationships that can develop and, and, and people also get a great feeling from volunteering and helping someone. So we're always looking for guide runners for the visually impaired. So first mm-hmm. my dad just started running around town and uh, he had one or two runners that joined him and as it progressed he decided that he wanted to compete so when he competed he joined the blind sports association and when he competed he started with um, not just running but also track events so he was involved in discus javelin and shot put impressive running (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i'm just unbelievable (laughs) and i mean he broke records and set records and and beat out all kinds of people he was just incredible but his focus was always to be the best that he could be and you know Mm -hmm. from your past as an athlete that it is really important for an athlete to what Pete Sampras calls play up so that we are competing against people who are better than us in order to make ourselves better to challenge ourselves to go beyond our limits. And so what to raise he did the bar, was, yes. Exactly. So what he ended up doing was he was in the master's class, and unfortunately there just were no other competitors in his, in his class. So he ended up running against 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds, <laughs> In wow. order to, yeah, in order to boost his his time, and he was constantly working to improve that personal best, and mm-hmm. he succeeded in doing that. Yeah, in the end, he was running a, a hundred meter sprint in sixteen seconds. Oh my gosh! 
<laughs> well, you, yeah. you touched upon a, you, you touched upon a couple things that I think are key to spend a little bit more time and attention on and hone in on for the listening audience. Because, of course, the people who gravitate to this show, it's not just people who are successful in business, but it's really mind, body, spirit. It's people who are immersed in the personal growth, personal development industry, which you and I both individually are. Uh, joy as well and you know so I've interviewed a lot of athletes and you know there's a lot of sports analogies that are really great metaphors for life in general whether we're talking about fortitude or resiliency or tenacity or the human spirit or whatever I mean everything under the sun is encompassed into the category of sport analogy um, you know and and no no coincidence, you know, when we talk about my having been in sport and your dad being sport, there's all kinds of sports. There's individual sports, team sports. But I think what we talk about and we hear as a catchphrase, buzzword, trendy right now about be the best version of yourself, and that's a great thing to be mindful of, and, and it doesn't matter how cliche it is, you know, it's so true. It's so fundamentally true. Uh, but I think people who are immersed in individual sports who are really only in competition with that pace clock to get their best time, regardless of who's running to the left of them or who's running to the right of them, or in my case, having been a swimmer, who's in the left lane, who's in the right lane, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you, so you understand at a very young age, what is now a very much a catchphrase in terms of, you know, really only strive to be the best, most improved version of yourself every single day. And I think people who are immersed in individual sport grasp that concept far quicker than the majority of most people. And so, yes. again, that that explains a little bit more of another undercurrent layer of who your dad is. Right, right. Yeah, and he really had that mindset as he mm -hmm. approached everything that he had to deal with in life, and it helped a lot. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so when you think of, you know, outside of your dad's accolades and his accomplishments and the legacy, you know, in terms of your own private tender moments with him, things that would be, un, you know, unbeknownst to the rest of the world here and certainly for those tuning in and listening all over the globe, you know, what, who was the tender Mike? Who was the tender dad? What were some of the things that you most recall about him, either in the father-daughter relationship or one of your instant role models, mentors? Um, what is it about your dad that you'd like to share here that people might not necessarily know maybe a little tidbit for when the book comes out. Right. So Mike was completely fearless, mm. completely fearless. And in everything that he had to face and the roads that he chose to walk to create his tapestry of life, he mm -hmm. really did consciously decide to walk on and embrace his life mm -hmm. and what the realities of his life were. So he took what could be considered a huge adversity and turned it around in a way to create a life, to love, to, to, uh, to succeed, to walk wherever it was that he needed to walk in order to uh, 
accomplish what he needed to accomplish. So what I really noticed about him, and this is aside from being his daughter, Mm -hmm. uh, is that he had a a real listening ear. And he was a social worker, so he came by it honestly. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, he was always very interested in other people's journeys what they were attempting to do, where they were at, how they were seeing and perceiving and understanding what it is that they were going through at a particular time. So he always was an open book Mm -hmm. and never afraid to talk about anything and always... uh, there with his listening ear. So I really noticed that about him and not just with my sister and I when we were kids, but also Mm -hmm. with everyone who was involved in our lives. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's unfortunate that I never had the direct honor or pleasure of knowing your dad because your dad is very much the type of person I would gravitate to in terms of, you know, fellow soul, vibe attracting tribe. Um, but for what I do know about you, Joy, you definitely are your dad's daughter. And so mm-hmm. as much as I want to talk about your dad here and, and you know, plug the, the book that you're working on, and we'll get into that in, in momentarily, but I want to talk about from your lens, your perspective, your optics, your perception, how do you feel that you and your dad are synergistically connected? How do you believe that you are your dad's daughter? Because for somebody like me who's been mentoring you and we talk about intimate things and the backstory and stuff like that, uh, you you have inherited a lot of your dad's uh, beautiful characteristics as a human being. Um, but it doesn't matter what I say or what I think. I'd love for you to share with the listening audience how you see yourself as a bit of a mirror to your dad in yourself. Well, thank you, Lisa. I think that I approach life in a similar way. and. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it's it's what I have learned from him, but I've taken that and, and built on it. So without focusing too much on myself, I, I, should, I should just mention that I was diagnosed with stage four cancer in mm-hmm. 2013, and uh, my father was diagnosed with stage four cancer and in 2012 and he passed shortly after that as a result Mm -hmm. of the illness Um, my situation was slightly different however a cancer diagnosis is a cancer diagnosis Mm -hmm. and it derails you there is no question anybody who's had that experience knows what I'm talking about anyone who's been involved with a person that they love who's had a cancer diagnosis, also has a similar experience. Uh, The thing that I know and learned from my father that really saw me through that was quite simply this reality that I've now been presented with is one reality. And it's my choice how I am going to choose to deal with this reality. And these are the thoughts that I had as I was diagnosed, you know, which is not very far off from what my dad has been talking about. Bingo! (laughs) 
so yeah no no coincidences right that's right Lisa and so definitely I felt him very closely with me during that time it was the most well I don't know to say it was the most difficult time I mean losing my dad was a very difficult time as well for me Mm -hmm. but everything what I know for sure is that everything that happens teaches you something and there are a lot of lessons in our experiences. We all know the most challenging ones are the best teachers. And yes. so I believed at that time that I had to keep an open heart and an open mind, or I just might die. For sure, I might die. Mm-hmm. So, so I decided that I would open to the possibility that I might get a second chance. And I have. And Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for that. And I believe that sharing the legacy of my father's life is my purpose. And I'm here to share that. Beautiful. Well, and I am well. Just, just, just so everybody knows, (laughs) I am well. (laughs) Yes, let's clarify that. (laughs) Let's clarify that. I'm now now approaching. I'm now approaching six years. Since my cancer diagnosis. Yes, yes. Yes. And I appreciate you clarifying that because I wouldn't want people to think that you were brought on radio today as your last hurrah. Well, it'd be a good one, but let's not make it the last hurrah. No. no. Well, it would be a good one, but we still have the book, right? Let's talk we about have the book. So and let's- much more, yes. So much more. So let's talk about the title. Absolutely love the title. What was the moment of clarity where that said to you, bingo, that's the title, that's the book, this is the story. Uh, How did this all come together? Because people oftentimes think about things, but they don't necessarily act upon it. Or they've got this notion or they've got their inner voice intuitively, you know, beckoning them, you know, do this, do this, do this. And a lot of people resign themselves to listening to that because of fear. But when we talk about your dad having truly been uh, a demonstrated example of somebody who chose to live fearlessly and you also being of your dad's elk, being his daughter and being very much like minded in the same regard. What was your moment of living fearlessly where you thought, you know what, I can't just think about this anymore. I absolutely need to do this. And this is the particular book in mind that I need to write. And this is what it needs to be premised on. Can Can you have the listeners know a little bit of the backstory around the book? Sure. It's interesting. The book is something that I have tossed around actually for years, long before mm-hmm. my dad got ill and passed. Uh, him and I used to talk about writing the book. I kept saying to him, my God, you know, if people could just know this story, it's, it's mm-hmm. incredible. And we kind of had a loose agreement that when dad retired, we would do that or we Mm -hmm. might do that. Well, retirement came. And at that time, my kids were little. They were, I don't know, maybe six, seven. They were still pretty young. And Mm -hmm. my dad loved being a grandfather. And really, that's all he cared about aside from running. (laughs) Beautiful. And he, uh, he 
lived to enjoy those grandchildren, and that was a wonderful time. So we Mm -hmm. didn't write the book then. And one thing just led to another. You know how life gets in the way. And Mm -hmm. then my dad got ill, and not only at the same time that my dad got ill, there were lots of other things going on in in our life uh, with life-altering experiences. So Mm -hmm. we were dealing with a lot. And not long after that, I got cancer. So we, we had a time where it really just wasn't possible to do this book. And then I had my life-altering experience with my cancer diagnosis and not knowing if I was going to make it. And Mm -hmm. I thought at that time, you know, if I do, I know there's a reason that I will come back from this. And when Mm -hmm. I did come back from it, I, I, I just knew it, I had to do this and this had to be done. This information needs to be out to the masses and people need to hear this story. Mm -hmm. And I decided then that I was the person that would be telling it and it was happening. And that is where I was at when I met you. Yeah, I just got goosebumps when you said that. (laughs) I had no idea how I was going to get there, how I was going to do this. But I really believe that if something is meant to be, the universe will provide everything that you need in order to accomplish that task. And that's how it is. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. I mean, wholeheartedly. And I talk about that quite consistently and quite regularly on radio. And again, what you put your attention on grows stronger. So when we talk about mind over matter, or we willing ourselves back to good health, or we will ourselves back to a place of positivity, or we will ourselves back to a place of mastery and self-discipline, um, I, th- I believe for people who have the story that you have the miracle, some people deem it to be a miracle to go from a stage four diagnosis to you being here and doing all these wonderful things. Well, that to me is like the biggest part of recovery. It's getting your mind, you know, it- it's recalibrating your mind and making sure that you are talking to yourself in such a way that is going to intuitively serve you. So oftentimes when people get a diagnosis, they automatically focus on death. They focus on statistics. They focus on treatment. And I'm not saying that that isn't part of your reality. I mean, I've gone through this with many members in my family of cancer and for like an anomaly period of 20 years. Uh, So I understand that. Um, But you have to make a concerted decision that you've got to fuel yourself. It's no different than fueling your body. And your dad would have known that as a runner. You know, if you're eating crap, Mm. good luck finishing that, crossing that finish line. It's, you know, it's people focus on the body and the external, but we forget it's, it's the mind that is so incredibly powerful that really controls the vessel of everything. It's a hub. It's the main hub. And, you know, so when you talk about things of what you're talking about, the universe showing signs, there's no coincidence to that. If you're tapped in and you're receptive and you're open to embracing the good stuff at the same time that you're ready and willing to simultaneously surrender the yucky stuff so as to make room and create space for the great things to show up, 
that's when it's like boom, bang, boom, bang, boom, bang. And joy for you, it's been boom, bang, boom, bang, boom, bang. <laughs> right? That's There's correct. no coincidence to this, people. There's no, people think it's like as a science or you're born with a certain gene that makes you predisposed to having this kind of outlook or, you know, being that shining oh, star out there. Or I'm you're lucky. lucky. I can't stand that. Yeah. 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 I work yeah. 18 hours a day to be lucky people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, but, I did want to mention because you asked me about the title and I, I, yes. didn't, I didn't get to that. So the title is uh, Indelible Vision, 2020 Vision. Hi, uh, vision without sight, 2020 vision without sight. So Beautiful. the thing about indelible, yeah, I, I, I'm happy with it. The thing about indelible vision, indelible vision is really about the ideas, the concepts, the things that you see in mm-hmm. life without sight. So... Mm. This is really where where the heart lies is in this mm-hmm. in this place. So even though there is no uh, sight it, from the the physical sense of perceiving what's around you mm-hmm. with your eyes, indelible vision talks about not necessarily being able to see, but being able to know that there can be vision. There can be vision in the sense of looking forward and creating and planning and really going after what you want, even though you may not be able to see your way or know how you are going to get to that final destination to that final goal Mm. well a couple things i'll say to that you know you have to believe it to see it right people often think it's backwards you have to see it to believe it absolutely not you have to fundamentally fundamentally inherently believe it in which to see it That's the connection. That's the correlation. The other thing is when we're talking about the senses, and again, I love abstract and I love analogies. So when we compare, so we talk about um, the things that people can't see that have just as much, if not more paramount or uh, that's more pivotal or more life transforming or more insightful. So when we talk about hearing, listening, right? for people who have been in social services like myself and your dad and yourself too, you know, it's the unspoken word. You learn so much more about what people don't say as opposed to what it is that they do say. So if you are attuned to reading the body language, if you are attuned to looking at the congruency between facial expression and what the words are that are channeled out of one's mouth and knowing, okay, does that resonate? Does, is, there, is there a connection or a correlation to that? That's how you pick up on congruency. That's how you pick up on vibe. That's how you pick up on energy and everything is energy. So when you make reference to the abstract 
or the unseen, but it's the unseen that goes back to you have to believe it in which to see it. I mean, I love your title. It says it all. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Lisa. Absolutely. And what I love about your story, too, now that we're focusing on talking about what it is to be an author, you know, I bring a lot of notable household, you know, celebrity type people on the show. And that's all great. But I always like to focus more so not on the successes and how many books you've written in X amount of languages that are on international best-selling charts for years on end. And that's all great. And we'll that's get wonderful. there. We'll get there. And, and we'll, we'll get, get there. there. But because my number one priority is always to the loyal listeners and for people who are really trying to get immobilized by fear and are really trying to step into their greatness, what most resonates with them is the guests such as yourself, Joy, where you can talk about the struggle of concept of book to actually putting it into action and doing your research in your dad's case and doing setting up the interviews and trying to orchestrate this based on chapters and sequencing and subtitles and title and what you want your, you know, so, you know, because it is an arduous process. It is an arduous, if you're really committed to writing a good book and it's about substance and it's about depth and there's a, a message and a purpose and a moral or all those things, then this is not something you're just going to bang out overnight or entrust necessarily with a ghost writer. And no offense to ghost writers, there's a place and space for them. But I think for people who are really want to get raw and engage with the reader potentially, this is something that you're reliving and you're experiencing all kinds of emotions, perhaps things that you had blocked out, uh, maybe because it was a coping mechanism or maybe it was because so much of life has happened to you that we forget those subtlety things that really are immersed in our subconscious. Um, so let's talk from your perspective, Joy which I know is going to be inspiring for those who are listening who also, like you, have been, you know, playing with the idea of writing a book, but taking it that step further, which you already have, to taking actionable steps. So what would you say to people? Because we know it's a frustrating process. We know it's time-consuming. We know you have to be self-disciplined and you have to be committed. So what would you say to people who would really be looking to you for the truth about what it is to write a book? Sure. I would say that the first thing is you must make your intention known because we know that where your intention goes, energy flows. So the first thing you have to do is state what you intend to do. And that is really important because that can get your momentum going and commit to doing something towards your book every day. And mm-hmm. depending on the kind of book it is, writing, of course, is going to be on your list, but there may be other tasks as well. And it is a very overwhelming and can be a daunting process. However, mm-hmm. make lists. I learned that from Lisa. Make lists. <laughs> Break it to down the <laughs> into right? doable steps. Yes. yes. That's right. And so um, these are things that have helped me to do this. And as far as the emotional aspect of it, which is a huge component, Mm. you really do have to witness your emotions. So when emotion comes up, when you're writing or you're, in my case, I'm reading, I'm reading articles 
that were written, you know, when I was a child about my dad. I'm looking at pictures that I haven't seen for years, some, in fact, that I've never seen. So it can be a rocky journey emotionally. Mm -hmm. However, it's also very cleansing (laughs) and... uh, It feeds you. It does feed you, even though you may think it drains you. It feeds you in a way that you come to understand what the material that you're looking at in a new way, and you are witnessing it in a way that you haven't really witnessed it before, and translating that then into words and images that are going to be impactful. Mm-hmm. And I found just taking it step by step. I can't imagine far away. I can't. I know I have goals in the future that I am going to do my darndest to meet. But mm-hmm. right now, where I'm sitting, I'm looking at what I'm doing today, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that too, because I talk a lot about visualization and you and I talk about that as well in our mentoring sessions. And so, yes, you know, yes, it's important to be present. It's important to not get so far ahead of yourself that you end up doing nothing because you don't even know where to start. You're so overwhelmed. However, visualization is is how manifestation works. So, you know, when you can see the end product, you can see in your mind, because again, you've got to believe it to see it. So as part of your own work on self, and it's part of keeping yourself motivated and on the trajectory of where it is you say you want to go in your forecasted goal setting, you know, in this case of your book, you've got to see the end product. You've got to see yourself doing book signings. You've got to see yourself published. You've got to see yourself marketing it. You've got to see it in the hands of others. You've got to see the testimonials. You've got to see people coming back and saying, oh my God, that book transformed my life or you know what I am so glad again no coincidence that you joy came into my life and that you took it upon yourself and saw it as your fundamental inherent purpose to write exactly that book because that book has now propelled me in the trajectory of where I know I need to go to honor my purpose and you gave me that clarity that otherwise might not have existed you know so you've got to see the whole shebang this is how things get knocked off your to-do list. Yes, you've got a to-do list. Otherwise, you're aimlessly going about your day. And before you know it, you've got nothing done. And certainly nothing that puts you in, in alignment with what it is that you say you want to do. And because we know a lot of these things that we identify as our goals are time-consuming, it's not going to be some goals they, they can do be done in a day, some it can be a week, a month, or a year, or five years, or whatever the case may be. But you will shorten that process and you will make it more painless for yourself if you get very clear with your ability to visualize see what it is you want as already accomplished and done and then in the here and now in the tangible space of here and now reality as we know it to be you take one step one step one step and you keep going in the same direction that's going to inevitably have that visualization be a reality that's how it gets done. That's how it gets done. Exactly. Exactly. And, and what I love about you, Joy, you know, and I love puns. Puns are always intended in my, my part. It's never not I'm intended. I'm laughing already. <laughs> puns are my favorite. My dad, too. 
anything yeah. with a pun. Witty, he told the most ridiculous jokes. <laughs> and we laughed and laughed and laughed. So I'm ready. I got a big okay. smile on my face. Okay. So, <laughs> so really is really essentially now i feel like i've overworked it up and it's going to be deflated but anyway but truly Sorry. what it is that i i mean i love so many things about you but one of the things i fundamentally love the most about you which i think is correlated and connected with your dad uh, and how tapped into his energies and the writing of the book so your energy is all about your dad um is I love how you are always so committed and willing and embracing to see things with new eyes every single day. Every time you and I talk and we have a mentoring session, I learn so much from you. Like sometimes I think, oh my God, I should be paying her. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because oh, that's it, wonderful. It, it, Thank you. No, but it's, it's true because it's like, you know, when we talk about that childlike spirit and you see how naturally inquisitive and curious and wondrous children are, you have yes. that spirit joy, which is why it's such a pleasure not only to work with you and to be alongside you in this journey. Because, I mean, you trust me and that's an honor and it's a gift. I don't take any of that lightly or for granted. Um, but you reinvigorate my spirit just because you are just so open to loving life and and truly you do see things with new eyes all the time thanks that's wonderful to hear that i did not know that and i love it <laughs> well you know it now i do know it and and i did i did get that from my dad primarily and my mom yes. she she of course is a is a huge part of the picture as well that you know, my mm -hmm. dad wouldn't have been able to accomplish the things that he accomplished without the support of my mom behind him. And mm -hmm. so uh, to hear you say that is, um, it's, it's very heartwarming. And it is the way that I choose to live my life on purpose with yes. intention and really, oh yes, pun intended, with joy. <laughs> And I love the fact that your name is Joy. Can you imagine somebody's name being Joy, but they were so miserable? Like, what an irony. Oh. You know what I mean? That well, would be so I, tragic. Yes, it <laughs> would be tragic. And <laughs> we don't need any more tragedy. We just need no. Joy. And but I, I love really that you live up to your name. To... I love that you live yes. up to your name. Yes, I, I, I do aim to live it every day. Yes, and you do. Thank and you. And you do. Thank you. You absolutely do. Yeah. So when we talk about, you know, we, we talk about shows like this where we're talking about our heroes, you know, I oftentimes say, be your own hero, be your own shero, be your own leader, be your own best friend. And yes, it's good to, uh, you know, gravitate towards other people with an inspiring story, but it's also fundamentally important that you hold that core belief for yourself as well, right? Particularly if you're on Absolutely. the journey to inspire other people. You've got to be your own hero. You've got to be your own shero. And clearly, your dad got the lesson. He got the script on that one because he was his own hero. He was living life and loving life in spite of everything. And that energy trickled down to everybody, which is now the legacy that lives on through you. And this is the book that's going to transform people's lives. And people are going to see life from a brand new perspective through your eyes, through your dad's eyes in indelible vision. What's the target date for this book? I'm hoping to have the manuscript done in March. 
And Ooh. yeah, um, I don't know if that's a realistic goal, but I'm going to try and meet it. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to do my oh. darndest. Well, and I'm, I'm going to be kicking you along to do that. You know me. Yes, it's you gonna are. Be like, okay. Yes. You're right. Like, I don't attach my name to anything that's not successful either. And you are a success. And this book does need to be written. And uh, and you are the only person in which to write it. Uh, and this was a pact that you made with your dad long before. And now it's coming to fruition. And this is just amazing. You're fulfilling your purpose, right? You're And you're doing yeah. it on purpose and with intention, with clarity, with conviction. And I couldn't be more proud of you, Joy. I couldn't be more enamored by you. I couldn't be, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'm just up here. Can you hear it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, I just can't wait. I just can't (laughs) wait to get my hands on that book. I can't wait for you to be sitting there doing your personal inscription, people lining up all over Amazon, you know, doing some chapters, Kohl's, you know, Barnes Nobles, whatever the case may be, speaking engagements. I mean, this is a story that's got to continually be told, truly, because there's too many people who have vision and can't see. And that's a choice. That is a choice. That is correct. That's right, Lisa. Yeah. It, this is, so, it's very exciting, very exciting. And I am, I'm humbled and I am privileged to be here every day. So yes. I'm making the best of it, going after well, what I feel I need to do. Well, and that's because you understand the essence of gratitude, right? Gratitude underscores everything in life. It really is yeah. what embodies the meaning of life. You know, there's always something to be grateful for. Uh, I love grateful exactly. people. Right. I mean, you can tell people who are just naturally grateful because every little nuance, every little exchange, every little win, every little interaction, every little whatever, it means so much. And you, you pile those on top of each other day in and day out. And it's like, you know what? I don't care what happens today. I don't care what goes south because I'm still always going to be grateful for what I do have. And I have so much more than so many other people. Right. That is correct. Exactly. If you're breathing, if you're breathing, you're already ahead of the curve. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what I consider. I'm still alive. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Joy's still alive. <laughs> Listen, my dear. Listen. Yes. Well, unfortunately, so I'm, that, cognizant that... Of t- I'm cognizant of time, so I want to give you an opportunity to share with people before we part ways here. Uh, that's not yes. to say you can't come back. You've always got a standing open invitation to come back to Living Fearless with Lisa McDonald. But where can people reach you? If people want to know more about your story or they want to just be in your space because you're just so wonderful, how can people connect with you? Okay. So what I wanted to mention was that if there are any – there are a lot of people that I am working with to create – the indelible vision as a reality. And I've been working on interviews, reconnecting with people who knew my dad. And my dad knew so many people. I couldn't possibly know them all or where to find them. I Mm -hmm. found a lot of them, but I am just putting a call out there that if anyone knew my dad, Mike Turrell, and has um, an anecdote or a little story or they want to just chat with me, they can reach out to me. I'm 
looking for, I want to make sure that I don't miss anybody. So if you have something to say, let me know. Um, my email address is J-O-Y-L-O-V-E-O-N-E at hotmail.com. So joylove1 at hotmail.com. And I'm currently uh, having a website okay, Joy, constructed. Okay, Joy, sorry, I, we, we've gone over here. I've got to go. I can't even properly do my outro, but we will include okay. the contact information when we upload the podcast link. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, sponsors. Perfect. Uplifting you to fear less and to live more. Have an awesome day. Bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.